Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey, everybody. God bless you, and thanks for joining us. I'm Andy Baylog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. Today, we are in the book of Hebrews again in particular a chapter that is known as the Hall of Faith. We're here to address a reader question, but we'll also discuss a key piece of doctrine about the kingdom. Join us now as we listen to the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 3 through 6. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up, so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Hebrews 11, 3-6 We begin with the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym. SP stands for speaker. A stands for audience. C for context, and E for explanation. We created this acronym to remind Bible students to think about who is speaking and to whom, what was happening at the time, and the theme and message of the verses leading up to the scripture reading. We believe it's critical to consider these things before attempting to interpret scripture. So let's use the space method here, Jordan. Okay, the speaker is an elder and respected church leader, but the specific author is not known. As we've mentioned before, some believe the author of Hebrews was the Apostle Paul, based on clues in the way that the letter is written. Other scholars have argued it was written by Barnabas, or Silas, or Luke, or Philip, and so on. What's ultimately important, the author is the Holy Spirit. As the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.16, all the things written in the Bible are inspired by God, or literally God-breathed, and are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And then he adds in verse 17, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We'll see that when we get into the meaning of our scripture for today. The audience here is a Hebrew or Jewish Christian. Because the audience is Jewish, Hebrews spends a lot of time contrasting the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. For instance, in Hebrews 8, 6, Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. In verse 7, it says, 
For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. And skipping down to verse 13, when he, God, said, A new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. So the early church was in this transition period, and as a result faced this tension between the old ways and the new ways. This clash caused the Apostle Peter to behave hypocritically, even to the point where God had to instruct him in a vision early on in Acts chapter 10. And the Apostle Paul actually called him out later, and you could read that in Galatians chapter 2. Even the Apostle Paul caved into the pressure and had his protege, Timothy, circumcised as an adult so that it wouldn't hinder his ministry. And you could read that in Acts chapter 16. All this came to a head at a crisis meeting of church leaders called the Jerusalem Council, which is in Acts 15. That's how divided the church had become. For these, and for other reasons, Hebrews is a letter about the superiority of the new over the old. And that's the context of today's scripture reading. Right. In the chapters leading up to our scripture reading, the author of Hebrews is emphasizing the superiority of Jesus as a high priest over the high priests of the Jewish faith. We read in Hebrews 9, verses 11 and 12, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that's to say not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Now you might ask, why is Jesus' blood so significant? Well, in Romans 6.23, God tells us through the Apostle Paul that, quote, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we see that the blood of Jesus was poured out at his death as a substitution for our blood, for our death what is called a propitiation in 1 John 2.2. The penalty of sin before God is eternally paid. So continuing in Hebrews 10, verse 4, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And in verses 11 to 14, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Verse 35 reads, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. And verse 39 reads, We are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. And that brings us to Hebrews 11, starting with verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. This leads right into our scripture reading and the hall of faith, or the faith hall of fame, if you will, which is the ultimate context here. The passage lists all of the men of old who gained approval that the author is referencing. It includes Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, also known as Israel, Moses, and it also includes two women, Sarah and Rahab. 
So now that we know this whole context, Andy, we can attempt an explanation. Let's reread and break down our scripture reading. Sure, I'll pick up in Hebrews 11, verse 3. For by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So here we see the word worlds here is very interesting. Listener Paul wrote to us about it, asking if we thought it meant more than one planet, or that is, a different planet, possibly. So the question leads, is this a science fiction verse? Is it about life on other planets? Well, most modern translations, including the NIV and New King James versions, translates the key word as universe and not worlds. Those translations read, quote, By faith we understand that the universe was prepared by the word of God. Yes, Andy, and many preachers then pair this with Psalm 33, verses 8 and 9, which in the NIV says, Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. So we have this little bit of doctrine that says God spoke the universe into existence, which is interesting and possibly correct. But it isn't quite what this verse in Hebrews is talking about either. We don't believe this is a random verse about how God is the creator of the universe, although that's certainly true. What we want to focus on is the wording of the original Greek. First of all, the word translated worlds is one we kingdom seekers are very familiar with. It's ion. It means an age, and it's the basis for our English word eon. Here we have the plural form, so it's ages. Next, the verb in the original Greek is also important. In today's reading, it's translated, were prepared. Well, it can be translated several other ways, but if you strip it down to its root meaning, it means according to. So we believe that verse 3 should really be translated, by faith we understand that the ages have been according to the word of God. Or even better, by faith we understand that history has been in accordance with the word of God. So Jordan, in other words, we believe this verse is about the unfolding of God's plan. This idea is supported by the context again, which is the hall of faith. And we know here he's talking about the history of man's faith as God's plan has unfolded. So his point, we believe, is to convince the Hebrew believers to have faith and persevere, following the example of their heroes, because everything happens according to God's plan. We know that. And this goes with the idea from a few verses earlier in Hebrews 10.39 that kingdom-bound Christians are, quote, not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. And then finally, the last part of verse 11 also bears consideration, which reads, what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So what does it mean? Well, again, many have generally understood this verse in its entirety to mean that the physical world, the creation, which we can see, was produced from spirit, which we can't see. And that is possibly one meaning. However, notice that the wording of this verse goes with the first verse of the chapter, chapter 11, which says, faith is the conviction of things not seen. If you put it all together, we agree with a commentary that we read online, which says the following. Those of us who walk by faith know that a great unseen hand guides, indeed overrules, events on this earth. This verse means that the historical events we read of in God's word were not chance occurrences, but God was working behind the scenes to bring his purpose to the conclusion he has foreordained. In short, it, 
meaning Hebrews 11.3, says, God controls the march of history. The great men and women listed in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith, lived their lives firmly knowing this truth. That is why they could live in faith. Great quote. So moving on to our reading, Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So a couple points here, Jordan. Most Christians today might not understand the significance of Abel's sacrifice. In other words, why was Abel's sacrifice accepted and Cain's rejected? Cain's offering was not accepted because it was not a blood sacrifice like Abel's. Instead, Cain brought the, the fruit of the cursed ground, the work of his own hands. And we also clearly see the contrast between the God-revealed doctrine of blood sacrifice versus man trying to please God with his own self-efforts, which kind of opens the door and makes us think about other religions that are trying to strive to salvation or making it to heaven, if you will, based on their own works. Right. You know, a lot of people today think that I'm a good person or I know good people and, you know, they're philanthropists, they donate to uh, humanitarian relief and so on and so forth. How could that person not make it to heaven? But according to this type that we learn in Cain and Abel, you know, it wasn't, God is not pleased by our works. God is pleased by the sacrifice for sin to cover, you know, what we've done wrong in our past. And I think Abel, um, you know, did the perfect type for us to learn from. And whereas Cain, his sacrifice was rejected. It's just a foreshadow of what's to come. And, you know, ironically, what people are going to be shocked once they leave this earth, what's to come, you know, in heaven when God is ready to judge people. Yeah, it's fascinating, Andy. Great points. I was even thinking about recently sort of modern-day Judaism, where the blood sacrifice has gone away. And I often ask people that I know that practice the Jewish faith, like, you know, what happened to it? Why did it go away? What was it replaced with? Because as Christians, we, we obviously believe that it was replaced by this one-time blood sacrifice for all time, Christ Jesus, but they don't believe that. They believe he was just a prophet. So I often wonder, and it just sort of disappeared, you know, as something that wasn't cool to do in modern times. Right. But, you know, when you were just saying what you were saying, it made me realize you need the blood sacrifice. So if you don't have the blood sacrifice of Jesus, then, then there's no real sacrifice for blood. Anything you do as a substitute for that, as Cain tried to do with produce, isn't going to be good enough because it's a, it's a work of self. Correct, correct. So moving on a couple more points. It's important to know that Cain's offering is kind of a reminder of Adam and Eve covering themselves with fig leaves after they sinned in the garden, if you remember that. Great point. However, God provided them immediately after that with skins of a sacrificed animal. And this is an example of humanity attempting to work their way into a relationship with God instead of leaning on God's grace. And with Cain and Abel, it was what each offering represented in typology that's important. Abel's was an offering of the best of his flock to be sacrificed to death, where Cain's was an offering of the best of his produce grown from the ground through his own labors, through his own efforts. And this, it's important to know that this teaches that God will not accept people into heaven based on our own efforts and hard works, but only by the offering of a pure blood sacrifice which of course means Jesus Christ. Amen. Moving on to verse 5, it reads, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. 
for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. So Enoch is taken up, which is another type from God's word that shows us the coming rapture or taking up of his people who by faith believe in him. And you can read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 to 17. It says that God will first resurrect those who have already died as Christians, and then, immediately afterward, lift up Christians that are still alive to follow Christ into heaven to present our life's work at the judgment seat of Christ. Very important. The judgment seat immediately follows that. And if you're interested in how the judgment seat will play out, please check out the Apostle Paul's master builder analogy in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15 for those details. And finally, Jordan, in verse 6, we read, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Amazing verse, one of my favorites, and a couple points here. So despite the focus of this passage on faith overworks, notice that both aspects here are in view in this particular verse. So what we find is that to please God, the author is saying that an individual must believe in him, which shows faith, and also believe he rewards diligent seekers, and that's our works. So there's a combination here. The key point is, how do we please God? And it's a combination of not only believing in him, but also acknowledging that he will reward those who seek him with all his heart. So for Christians, this also describes our past and present salvation, if we make the connection. We must have initial faith, believing that he is, and that Jesus is he, which leads to the salvation of the Spirit. But crucially, we must also continue to believe throughout our lives that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, which leads to salvation of the soul, qualification, and reward in the thousand-year kingdom. Jordan, really quick, um, before you, you finish up, and I apologize uh, of interrupting you really quick, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the reward because some people might be a little confused in understanding what the reward specifically is asking, right? So the question, the ultimate question is, how do I please God? Okay, so yes, of course, we all believe as Christians, we have to believe that Jesus is God. Okay, that's number one. But it also says there's an addendum to that. We have to believe that he will reward us for seeking him. So I thought maybe we could just talk a little bit about what that reward is. Is it a Ferrari? Is it living to be 120? Um, could we talk about that and, and maybe give a little clarity to our, to our listeners? Yeah, sure. Well, in the parables, Jesus uses the analogy of cities. He also uses uh, money, you know, minas and pounds to, to uh, typify or to uh, symbolize the rewards. But when you dig into those parables of Jesus to understand what it is, he's really talking about levels within the kingdom. So a ruler over 10 cities or a ruler over or 100 cities, whatever it is, it's various levels of reward in the kingdom or, or levels of rulership. Because, of course, Christ is a supreme ruler, and we have the opportunity to rule and reign with him over what, over how much. That's really what part of the reward is. Right. So the reward is not necessarily getting all the, the things of the, the world promises. Right. Right. A person could be... It's in the kingdom. A, a, exactly. A person could be a faithful Christian, seek God with all their heart, do everything right, believe in him. I mean, dedicate their life, but there's no guarantee that they're going to get everything that the world promises is important, right? Well, the Bible says it's actually better. Jesus says it's actually better not to have those things. The conceit of riches, those are, those are entrapments that actually keep us from doing what we need to do on earth 
to get the much better heavenly reward. Yeah, and Paul said in Scripture, he said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Right. Right? He knew what it was to live with and live without in life. And also, Jesus said in John chapter 6, he says, you know, the flesh is, is not important to me. It's your spirit that's important to me. So, you know, Jesus is not a, a favor of any man. And I don't think that, that that's what the, you know, our listeners need to, you know, get, I, I don't want them to get confused, in other words. Um, of course, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness and all these things will be super added unto you. And we understand that. But um, you can't put the cart before the horse. And that brings us back to verse 6, which starts out by saying, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And of course, that might lead us to ask, well, how do I increase my faith, Andy? Yeah, the answer is in Romans 10, 17, which says that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We please God first by hearing his word to grow our faith. The second half of that, right, which is often overlooked, is that we also must believe he will reward us when we seek him in his word and through prayer. And that reward is the hope of salvation. Again, entrance into his millennial kingdom and ruling and reigning with him. Amen. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click Donate. And finally, 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, motk.org. 
Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 minutes. I'm Andy Balon. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rates reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.